kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Monday night. It's a little bit after six o'clock, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Uh, with me tonight is uh, Miss Jeannie K. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Jen. And uh, say what? Say I'm the. Not vo- sick. Yeah, I know you're not sick. I am very happy that you're back with us. Uh, and I didn't die. That's a bonus. I thought I was well, going to die. I didn't really think I was going to die, but I wanted to. Well, that's the thing that sucks about being sick. You know, just that general crappy feeling. You never realize, like, even with, like, chronic pain or pain all the time in one spot or whatever, you don't really realize how good you feel until you've gotten really sick. Yeah. <laughs> and you realize back then with all the pain wasn't so bad. Um, Yeah. But I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, this is the first time in six years I've been sick, honestly. Wow. I haven't been sick since I quit smoking, so yeah. I guess, you know, six years was good. Six years is a damn good run. You know, especially you've got a child in public school. And it doesn't matter that they're a high schooler, they still bring home everything. Everything. And, yeah, well, I'm glad you're feeling better and that you're with us this evening. And, um... Also with us tonight is the very best producer that money can't buy, which is good because I'm still not paying him. Barry, how are you this evening, Barry? I'm good. And yeah. I'm also glad that Jeannie escaped from the Largy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was a weird week last week. Um, but the show we did was just kind of strange. We did, I didn't do any sort of show prep because I worked so many days. And um, we just talked. Actually, we spent a whole hour talking about nothing but TV. And when we got done, I said to Vary, I said, uh, I'm going to have to, like, axe that claim that I don't watch TV anymore, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's close to uh, Christmas, folks. So, I'm assuming everybody's feeling as great as I am. Insert humbugs here. Yeah, well, yeah, let's just say I think Grumpy Cat's my spirit animal. (laughs) And we'll leave it at that. 
I love that cat. I do. Her face looks like how I feel most of the time, which I guess really isn't a shock. So I guess we'll go with this story first. A Turkish court has to decide if Gollum is good or evil. We all know who Gollum is. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fictional character. Why does it make a fuck? It, It makes a difference. Okay. Is Gollum a good guy or a bad guy? It's a complicated question. At times, the former hobbit is nothing but pure venom. Other times, he's kind, sweet, and caring. Plus, he can change between the two in an instant. Finally, court of law will tell us if the former ring bearer is good or evil. One of the ultimate Lord of the Rings debates will soon be settled in a Turkish court. Why? A man charged with disparaging the president of Turkey is arguing his photos comparing the politician and the fictional character were not insults. (laughs) I can't even read this man's name. Dr. Uh, Something. Posted... (laughs) Posted photos on Twitter juxtaposing Gollum with Turkish President Recep something. What's the problem with that? In Turkey, insulting the president is an offense punishable by up to four years in prison. Safadi was brought to court, and after his defense attorney's argument for freedom of expression was shot down, they made the claim about Gollum not being necessarily evil. Paramount to their argument was the following, that the photos weren't of the evil Gollum, but of his lovable alter eagle Smeagol. To help bolster that, and in the absence of J.R.R. Tolkien himself, the defense went to the next best thing. Lord of the Rings writers Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens. Here's their statements. If the images are in fact the ones forming the basis of the Turkish lawsuit, we can state categorically, none of them feature the character known as Gollum. All of them are images of the character called Smeagol. Smeagol is a joyful, sweet character. Smeagol does not lie, deceive, or attempt to manipulate others. He is not evil, conniving, or malicious. These personality traits belong to Gollum, who should never be confused with Smeagol. Smeagol would never dream of wielding power over those weaker than himself. He is not a bully. In fact, he's very lovable. This is why audiences all over the world have warmed to his character. The trial has been adjourned until Friday, February 23rd, when Gollum's fate will be decided. That's why it matters. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where it just doesn't do to insult your dear leader in other countries. Not like I've seen people do here, or even, even in the UK, for that matter. I can't say that I think we have a whole lot of freedoms, but we still have the freedom to criticize those in power. Yeah, I, I thought the film, here we go again, Ted 2 kind of <laughs> I know, saw put that to rest, yesterday! Yeah, put to rest who looked like Gollum. <laughs> I felt so bad for that girl. Apparently, you... she, she was in on the joke, so yeah. I don't think she looked like Gollum. At all. So. Well, maybe in some of the stoner scenes, but yeah. <laughs> I saw Ted too. I thought it was really funny. Which, you know, also, I guess, I also am a big fan of stupid movies because they keep me from thinking, which is a big plus as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay, so I'm going to go down to the EU stories. What do we want to hear about the GCHQ first or the Patriot Act author? Very. You, know, you live there. I have there. no preference. <laughs> you have no preference, Jeannie. 
Mm, don't care. Okay. Do them back to back. There you go. Do them back to back. I, I had them put together back to back in the show notes. Okay. GCHQ accused of persistent illegal hacking at security tribunal. No shit. Well, I know. <laughs> and you know, it's just shocking to read it in the newspaper. UK government monitoring station admits hacking devices for the first time during a case bought by Privacy International and Internet Service Providers. The case against GCHQ in Chilton is that its hacking activities are disproportionate and illegal. So when is hacking proportionate and legal? I guess this case will decide that, at least for the EU, allegedly. GCHQ carries out persistent illegal hacking of phones, computers, and networks worldwide under broad thematic warrants that ignore privacy safeguards a security tribunal has heard. Microphones and cameras on electronic devices can be remotely activated without owner's knowledge. Photographs and personal documents copied and locations discovered, the investigatory powers tribunal has been told. GCHQ, the government monitoring station in Cheltham, has, for the first time in a court case, admitted that it carries out computer network exploitation, commonly known as hacking, both in the UK and overseas. Some CNE operators are said to be persistent, where listing programs are left on targeted devices while others are non-persistent, while the monitoring ends with each internet session. The claim that the government hacking activities are disproportionate and illegal has been bought by Privacy International and seven international internet service providers. The case is being heard at the IPT, which deals with complaints about the intelligence services and surveillance by the government organizations. The four-day-long hearing is at the Rolls Building in central London. The legal regime covering governing CNE remains disproportionate, Ben Jaffrey, Counsel for Privacy International, told the tribunal. Given the high potential high potential level of intrusiveness, including overly large numbers of innocent persons, there are inadequate safeguards and limitations. The case has been bought in the wake of revelations by the American whistleblower Edward Snowden. Okay, this, is, this has a lot to do with the Smurfs, I think. Who exposed the extent of surveillance carried out by the U.S.'s National Security Agency and the U.K.'s GCHQ. Snowden documents referred to GCHQ CNE capabilities, the tribunal was told, including a program called Nosy Smurf, which involved implanting malware to activate the microphone on smartphones, Dreamy Smurf, which had the capability to switch on smartphones, a Tracker Smurf, which had the capability to provide the location of a target smartphone with high precision, and Paranoid Smurf, which ensured all malware remained hidden. One illegal aspect of GCHQ's hacking, Jeffrey said, is making changes to targeted computers, an activity that undermines their latter use as evidence. What Parliament did not authorize was CNE that impairs the operation of a computer, he said. If state authorities are permitted to alter and impair the operation of a computer, the reliability and admissibility of such evidence will be called into question, as will the need to disclose a past CNE operation to the defense. In 2013, the tribunal was told that 20% of GCHQ's intelligence reports contained information that was derived from hacking. The reliance of the intelligence services on what are termed thematic warrants that do not name individuals or addresses but rely on generalized categories of people or places are an exorbitant extension of normal powers, Jeffrey told the tribunal. Under Section 5 of the Intelligence Services Act, he said proper safeguards are being bypassed So groups as widely defined, for example, as all mobile telephones in Birmingham could be targeted. Some of the Intelligence Oversight Commissions, such as Sir Mark Waller, 
had recently warned in their reports that the security agency's interpretation of thematic warrants was very arguable, Jeffrey pointed out. Newly released documents from the long-running case include a warning from Ross L. Anderson, professor of security engineering at Cambridge University, that it is only a matter of time before CNE causes fatal accidents. Setting denial of service attacks by online protesters in Oregon, USA, who hijacked hospital servers, installed malware, and interfered with medical equipment, Anderson said, computers are becoming embedded in ever more devices on which human societies depend ever more in ways that are complex and even harder to predict. In a recent statement, I'm um, sorry, in a written response, C.N. Martin, director of cybersecurity at GCHQ, said, we never carry out reckless and irresponsible CNE operations. So they're completely responsible and totally good as far as their hacking goes, according to them. GCHQ processes for CNE include an expert risk and assessment panel. The documents include a gist or summary of internal GCHQ advice to staff about the legality of hacking. They explain that the Intelligent Services Act warrant and authorization scheme is a mechanism for removing liability that would otherwise attach to interference with property such as computers, phones, and routers. This interference would otherwise be a criminal offense under the Computer Misuse Act. Another GCHQ instruction states, CNE involves gaining remote access to computers and networks and possibly modifying their software without the knowledge or consent of the owners and users. With the aim of obtaining intelligence, CNE operations carry political risk. These risks are assessed by the re- relevant team. Consult them at an early stage if you are concerned considering a CNE operation. Lawyers for the GCHQ argue that its CNE activities are quote-unquote proportionate. They dismiss Privacy International's claims as extreme allegations that do not accurately describe the reality of GCHQ operations. Over the last year, the threat to the UK from international terrorism fuck's sake, has continued to increase. <laughs> James Eady from QC for GCHQ told the tribunal in written submissions, GCHQ and other intelligence agencies must develop innovative and agile technologi- technological capabilities to meet these serious national security challenges. Computer network exploitation is one such capability. CNE may, in some cases, be the only way to acquire intelligence coverage of a terrorist suspect or serious criminal in a foreign territory. Well, for fuck's sake. I mean, if that were true, then every fucking known terrorist that ever walked on anybody's soil would be stopped before they fucking did anything. And we know that's not true. Anybody remember what happened in Paris? The legal regime for the legal regime governing its deployment provides stringent safeguards for CNE activities, Edie added. It is denied that GCHQ is engaged in any unlawful and indiscriminate mass surveillance activities because you can trust your government and its surveillance arm. Commenting on the hearing, Carolyn Wilson-Paulo, General Counsel at Privacy International, said the light touch authorization and oversight regime that GCHQ has been enjoying should never have been permitted. Perhaps it wouldn't have been if Parliament had been notified in the first place that GCHQ was hacking. We hope the tribunal will stand up for our rights and rein in GCHQ's unlawful spying. What? They're just going to... Yeah. They're pretty much just going to do it under some other terms. And I need to point out at that point, yeah, Parliament wasn't told deliberately. (laughs) Because part of the security agency's mandate 
is to protect the government from embarrassment over things that they might be getting up to. So, yeah, it's part it's part of what they're tasked to do. So, basically, GCHQ is saying, hey, we're totally cool, man. Let yeah. us let us fuck around in your computer. We promise nothing bad's going to happen, bro. Take well, our word for it. Unlike other hackers, it must be said they've been doing this for years, and until Snowden came out, hardly anyone in the world knew they were doing it. So, obviously, they are pretty damn good at it, because <laughs> they've inserted this software wherever they need to, and nobody's noticed. I think people have noticed. I mean, I think that's the point. I think at least some security researchers have noticed some shit's fucking wrong. Yeah. I but mean... In the case of GC, the the way GCHQ works, they don't care. Other security people know what's going on. Unless those security people are being targeted. So, um, basically, if you're involved in cybersecurity, it's all okay as long as it's not happening to you? Basically, yeah. Then... Well, most of these government really... agencies are like that worldwide. <laughs> so it's all fine unless we get caught. I mean, that's exactly how it is. It is all fine unless they get caught. But, you know, I will say the one thing, and I'm going to keep saying it because I've been looking for a bright spot in this and I can find only one. I can't hide anything about my life. Neither can they. Nope. There is no more hiding for anybody. If we're all going to walk out in the fucking light and be naked, they're going to be just as naked as the rest of us. Yeah. We, and we that's all have potential thing. Smurfs following us about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There really is. I mean, there are certain things you can do. Um, but there really isn't a whole hell of a lot, I guess. Oh, and your, your thing about them not spotting terrorists. Yeah. They, they spot, spot them. They, they spot and, them and then they... They, they just monitor they, them. Well, in the case of GCHQ, they monitor, they report to MI5, MI6, depending on what type of person it is they've discovered. And it's up to MI5 or MI6 to decide whether they're going to grab the person or whether just to tell GCHQ to keep monitoring. You know, That's so, the way it works in the UK. So, I mean, I've got to wonder if the US has a similar system. Quite probably. Yeah. There's somebody and, else who's got oversight who says yes or no, uh, picking people up. You know, I mean, I'm not in love, and I hate the fact that I have no digital Fourth Amendment rights. I know other people keep harping on, like, the First Amendment right for free speech, and and people really grasp on to the Second Amendment, and I, I am a big proponent of the Fourth, and I really just don't like what is happening. With regards to that, here in America, where we should have a lot of those civil liberty protections, we really don't. And yeah. that scares me. Well, it was mentioned in the story there how uh, which of the laws that are supposed to protect people in the UK, they are sidestepping. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, we do have protections here. But it makes no Not difference. Not that they pay attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I like I said, though, they are going to be found out. They're yeah. going to be found out, and hopefully they're going to be, metaphorically of course, attacked with pitchforks and torches by angry villagers for it. Well, everybody knows where GCHQ is. So, oh, I'm not talking yeah. about GC. I mean, like, oh, right, all yeah. the people doing this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but 
yeah i mean that i'm surpri- i'm surprised in many ways that gchq uh, didn't do the kind of thing it did in the past um after snowden which would have been <laughs> telling the nsa well you can't use our shit anymore bye bye <laughs> you, you let a leak happen yeah well i think i i've got to say i'm kind of surprised when i look at, at edward snowden's backstory and I never say anything bad about Edward Snowden. I admire the hell out of him for what he did and for giving up what he did. But when you look at where he worked and, and what he did, some of this stuff just looks funny. And then when you look at how the news is coming out, it's almost like it's controlled dribs and drabs to get us used to the fact that we no longer have any privacy. Yeah. People are spying. And I don't, I, that's really the only thing about this that has ever really bothered me. Like I said, I admire the hell out of the guy. I don't I don't know if I could I don't know if I could just walk away from my family and just accept the idea that maybe I'd be, you know, living in Russia or killed. You don't know. For exposing something like that. So I don't know. Anyway. Janie, any thoughts? Nope. No. Okay. I the the whole the whole Snowden thing in and of itself just it just it just absolutely blows my mind that the number of people that wanna beat the drum, the the traitor drum. Um I I just I don't there's a lot of shit going on this day and age gen that I just don't get. Um, and I guess because my logic doesn't equate to everybody else's logic. Well, your logic, I don't think your logic is actually formed by the mainstream media. I don't think most of the people who listen to this show or some of the other shows on this network actually have opinions that are formed by mainstream media. And even if you were, once you got a good grasp of the idea of how the media works with demonizing something with what they did with electronic cigarettes, you knew they couldn't really be trusted after that. And that, that gave you a clue that maybe everything wasn't kosher. (laughs) So yeah, I think a lot of us don't have opinions that mesh with the opinions that the mainstream media keeps trotting out, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. Another one on, the EU. <laughs> Patriot Act author warns EU against dragnet response to terror. Something ironic about this. Republican who helped draft the Patriot Act sees EU under similar pressures to 9-11. A lead author of the U.S. Patriot Act has some advice for European officials as they wrestle with the balance between personal liberties and security in the wake of the Paris terror attacks. The cautionary tale is that democracy depends upon a respect for civil liberties. Jim Sensenbrenner, the former chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, told Politico this week. In France, this goes all the way back to their revolution, which was right after ours in the Declaration of Rights of Man following that revolution. He would know. The 18-term Wisconsin Republican who helped push through President George W. Bush, that fucker's post-September 11th sweeping law enforcement and surveillance legislation in 2001, has long since concluded that the U.S. intelligent establishment went far beyond its mandate. 
That's why, after the Snowden revelations of 2013, he led the charge to scale back the Patriot Act and end the National Security Agency's bulk collection of data earlier this year. Well, sort of. Resulting in the USA Freedom Act, which is in some ways so much worse than the last act that was passed. Talking about it in practical terms, the answer is to target the people which you know are up to the bad stuff, rather than bringing in the 99.8% of inhabitants there, including the vast majority of followers of Islam who have no intention whatsoever of conducting a terrorist attack, he said. While he's been in Washington for nearly four decades, Sensenbrenner is actually no stranger to many European lawmakers, so he's sensitive to the higher priority that many Europeans place on personal privacy. See? See? We don't give a shit about anything in America. Sorry. Um, in October, Europe's largest political party, the ERP, the EPP, which is center-right ideologically, awarded him its Robert Schuman Medal for his work on data protection issues. The only other American to get the award is former President George H.W. Bush. Jesus Christ, really? So, <laughs> like, basically, every fucking warmonger... And every fucking asshat gets a gold medal from somebody, whether it's the Nobel Peace Prize Committee or your government. Very, that's awesome. Hey, in my government, it's the EPP. <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. I don't support the EPP. I'm kidding. Um, on the Sunday after the attacks in New York and the Pentagon 14 years ago, Sensenbrenner returned to his home state of Wisconsin and received the Bush administration's first draft, draft of the Patriot Act. Sensenbrenner describes the proposal as an almost complete suspension of civil liberties and a grab bag of proposals that Congress had previously rejected. Sensenbrenner defends his role in writing the law and says he insisted to President George W. Bush that the programs couldn't go on in perpetuity. Sunset provisions were therefore included, requiring the programs to be renewed. He notes that at the time, a broad range of lawmakers from security hawks to civil libertarians voted for the bill. The House passed the bill on a 357 to 66 vote on October 24, 2011. The Senate cleared the bill a day later on a 98 to 1 vote with only Democrat Russ Feingold of Wisconsin dissenting. I guess somebody should applaud that guy. After the Snowden revelations brought NSA spying concerns to the floor, however, Sensenbrenner joined with other former supporters to rein in its surveillance authorities. It's amazing how when you shine a little light on the cockroaches, they all go, oh, we didn't really mean that. Oh, we didn't, we didn't realize that's what it meant. Well, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I only got this bill 10 minutes before the vote. Was I supposed to read the 5,000 pages? <laughs> that should be illegal by the way yeah that, well it is illegal actually it is illegal you're not supposed to get a bill 10 minutes before the vote that shit is completely illegal but they do it anyway because you know they just pretend it's something else um, the USA Freedom Act was signed into law in June and the government's authority for bulk data collection ended this week Well, in that form Please remember EEO twelve triple three, and thank you so much for that executive order. <clears throat> we strongly agree that the dragnet collection of millions of Americans' phone records every day, whether they have any connection at all to terrorism, goes far beyond what Congress envisioned or intended to authorize. More important, we agree it must stop. 
Sensenbrenner wrote in Politico, uh, Politico, along with another Patriot Act author, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, dickhead of Vermont, days before introducing the Patriot Act rollback in 2013. The Patriot Act was already a dirty phrase in Europe, particularly in the wake of the Snowden revelations, synonymous with limiting freedoms under the guise of protecting national security. A Pew Research Center poll last year found that 82% of French respondents said it was unacceptable for the U.S. to monitor French citizens. That was the second highest percentage of objections in Europe after Greece. The French were equally displeased with Americans spying on its own citizens, according to the same poll. And European governments proposed new security measures post proposed new security measures post Paris warned privacy advocates sometimes cite the U.S. law. We refuse to support a Belgian Patriot, Patriot Act, said Patrick Duell, leader of a liberal Belgian political party on the floor of the Belgian Parliament last month after the country's prime minister announced a state of proposals aimed at cracking down on extremism. Among other things, the Prime Minister proposed allowing authorities to hold suspects for 72 hours without warrant. Your government allows that, so does mine. Uh, and tag extremist young people with electronic tethers. We must always preserve the balance between safety, freedom, and privacy of citizens, he said. What is what? What is electronic tethers? I mean, does that mean they're going to find your phone and no, tag no. it? No, no. They, they put, uh, they put uh, basically like an ankle a bracelet? ankle bracelet on you, yeah. So and you're only allowed out your house at certain times of the day because you're suspected that you might be an extremist. They can tag you. Yep. Like painting a scarlet A on you. Yeah. Don't move to Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. In France, the current state of emergency, which lawmakers quickly agreed to extend for three months, allows authorities to raid homes without warrants. Oh, that's the worst one. The country's interior minister said Wednesday that since November 13th, French authorities have conducted 2,235 searches and arrested 263 people. Like Sensenbrenner, former French diplomat Pierre Vermont sees parallels with the post-September 9-11 American response. You're going to see exactly as you saw in America with 9-11. That pressure is building up to do something, said Vermont, who is now a senior associate at Carnegie Europe. Still, Vimont, who served as French ambassador to the United States and the European Union, and also as the executive secretary general of the European External Action Service, what a mouthful, predicted that his country would never create a Patriot Act. Instead, he said it would search for a European way of dealing with the moment. The reason? The legality of what played out in Washington in 2001 looms large for European policymakers. I don't think you can go as far as that precisely because we have the experience now, the American experience, that a lot of political leaders are somewhat scared of, Vimont said. We may go as far as that, but I'm sure you will see some change in the legislation, if not in the Constitution. Nonetheless, since the Snowden revelations and the Charlie Hebdo attacks, France has broadened its surveillance mandate to allow the government to monitor phone calls and emails of suspected terrorists without a warrant. And it goes even further compelling internet service providers to collect metadata and web movements of millions from overseas and make that available to intelligence services. Back in Washington, when asked if the actions taken by the French government go too far, Sensenbrenner demurs. He says he won't get involved in the nuances of French law and that the French, what the French Constitution allows. He said that only good intelligence must wake its way into the right hands. 
so that attacks like the one in Paris can be prevented. <clears throat> I'm sorry. The bottom line, really, is the effectiveness of what the French government has done since the attacks in Paris will be able to stop future attacks, he said. And stopping future attacks depends on good intelligence, which is shared worldwide. Yeah. Well, there's a few things about that story. Um, if anyone's following French politics at the minute, it's going to get worse because Front National is gaining ground politically. So that's the right-wing, we-must-control-everything fascist-type people <laughs> may end up being elected in, into power in France next year. And, yeah, if people think it's bad now... <laughs> And the other bit, Mr. Uh, what's his name? You're uh, the guy who helped draft the, the acts in America. I mean, Since yeah, when? he backtracked heavily when he realized what he'd released. Basically, I don't think like, he did. I think he backtracked because his name was connected with it. Yeah, it's like, Do I'll, you know I'll help mean? write this legislation which lets our security services walk all over everybody. Oh shit! What have I done? I don't think it has shit to do with revelations about, no. oh, God, this was a bad idea. I think he's just sorry he got caught with his name out there. Yeah, cover it's like getting ass. caught out there with your dick in the wind. Nobody wants to get caught like that. Jeannie, thoughts? A lot, but a lot of them don't make sense, and it's something that I'm going to have to talk to you about <laughs> because you could make more things make sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I can't, there's some, of the, there's some of the shit that makes no sense to me and actually really, like, I started crying. I'm sure you can tell my voice cracks when I read yeah. this stuff, um, because it really bothers me deeply that we're engaging in pre-crime. We do it in this country and we're going to do it to people who might be considered extremists in other countries. And I saw... I posted a video, and I don't know if anybody saw it. It's from RT America. And they were talking to people in Belgium and a couple of, you know, just people on the street and then one of their prime ministers about what made an extremist. And one of the things that the government literature says makes an extremist is not agreeing with official government policies and criticizing the government. Yeah. When I cry... Well it's, it's not because I'm crying for like people who are going to do horrible things. I'm crying because I'm very critical of my government. I'm very critical of your government. I'm a loudmouth bitch who's not going to shut her mouth about this stuff. I cannot help it. It's how I am. And but, to know yeah. that that can get me branded in some countries as radical and have a bracelet put on me makes me physically sick. Well... Yeah, I mean, last week I joined 75% of the population of my country in becoming a terrorist sympathizer, according to our Prime Minister. Because you don't want to bomb Syria? Well, the proposals for bombing Syria that they put forward, I don't agree with. I wouldn't say I disagree completely with bombing Syria. It's just the way they're going about it that I disagree with. But yeah, that may, according to my Prime Minister, I'm a terrorist sympathizer. Well, you know, according to a lot of people, including people running for president in my country, I should be deported because of views I hold. Yeah. 
do, do you know how terrifying it is to me that there's a presidential candidate out there saying that I, and I, I hate to bring this up, my grandmother was born and raised on an Indian reservation, okay? And I'm not saying I belong here any more or less than anybody else, but it bothers the fuck out of me that someone who's saying that sort of shit is saying it about someone who has a little bit of limited understanding about what bad immigration policy does to a country and to a people that are maybe, maybe a little bit less prepared for things than the people who are coming in are. Um, it bothers me that someone says that I should be taken out of my own country for political views I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when in the fuck did this happen? How did this happen? Uh, I mean, and I think what people just don't in here. Oh, okay. Get it out. Here's the thing. You know, you hear the term slippery slope a lot. And somebody that I don't care much for says it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But um, this is one of those situations where I'm using the word slippery slope because okay so because we own firearms mm-hmm. does does that make us does that tick off boxes on a pre-crime list probably um, we i we grow food here mm-hmm. i buy seeds for food in seed vaults mm-hmm. okay um we grow food here, but I also always keep a store of seeds here. Mm-hmm. Um, does does that put does that tick off another box? Um, we have kind of a little micro urban farm thing going here. Does that tick off another box? Um, I buy pressure canners because we put up a lot of produce and meat that has to be pressure canned to stay safe for Mm -hmm. consumption. Does that tick off another box? I I am like one of the most the the most least likely people to start an armed revolt of any kind. Um I just want to be able to provide for my family. Uh, my husband just got home. Do you know what he was doing today on his vacation days? He was deer hunting. You know why? Because it feeds my fucking family. And, you know, I get, because we're vapors, I mean, we, we know, we've been in this industry for long enough, Jan, that we know, we have friends that are urbanites. We have friends that are, are city folk. We have, you know, we have friends all across the board. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people just cannot believe that I get my eggs out of the chicken house. But that's the best way. They, they, they can't fathom that. Why, why, would I, why would I deal with chicken shit? Well, if you want to eat eggs, you better be able to deal with chickens and chicken well, you, you know, I really hate to say it, but I mean, if you want some really nice rose bushes, you've got the yeah. perfect fertilizer. Um, right you there. know, the, the rabbits. Oh, my God. People in the United States hear rabbit, and they're like, those are pets. 
No, the rabbit. <laughs> I, and I hate to say it, rabbit is like the perfect survival food. You just get a breeding pair. Well, and, and you've and got meat so much, to last you for a really long time. So if you're a meat eater, survival food. It's I mean, very. Mm-hmm. Most of the butchers, I mean, you go to the to the shop on the corner, they always have hair, don't they? Yeah. You know, I, the United States is one of the few countries that that looks at this as, oh, that's like eating your dog. Um, it, it's well, like that in the UK as well, but th- that's because all the people moved off the land and went to the cities, and then yeah. suddenly forgot where everything came from. Yeah, um, people well, if are you so have no memory of their food here that that to many of these people, um, they think that I am some kind of complete and total whack job, and that that technically might be true. I might be certifiable. Um, really, <laughs> I might ask my husband. He might he might agree with you, depending on the day. But you know what we do is is our way of life, and if. If yeah, there's but, something I mean, that we can depend on ourselves for, we do. That's the way to do it. But, I mean, look where you that, live, too. You, I mean, boxes on some pre-crime list. And and the way this thing stacks up, all of those things that I just listed could very well be categories on this list. Hoarding more than a week's worth of food brands you a terrorist on the terrorist watch list. I have a room in my, and I, I hate to tell people this because, you know, but I have a room in my house for food that has, like, nothing to do with a pantry. I mean, it's it's a bedroom that's just converted into a storage area for food. And it's because I've lived through blizzards and I've lived through hurricanes, right? I know what it's like to not have power. I know what it's like to not have ready access to food. I also grow some food. I mean, I'm mostly it's exotics here because of where oh, I live. Yeah. And yes, guys, Jan Jan makes the best vanilla ever. By the way, ever. I, um, I grow I grow vanilla. But Love you know, vanilla. I mean, vanilla grows well here. And, but that's what people don't realize. I mean, you get a mass urban population. You know, you talk to anybody in New York City. Um, about what I do, and they automatically, they're like, what is wrong with this bitch? (laughs) But yet, you ask me and 7 million other people like me, and believe it or not, folks, there there are millions of us, Mm -hmm. we're not whack. We think these people in New York City that have enough food in their refrigerator for that day, there's something seriously wrong with those people. Because... We live in an area where we have been raised and we know that we have to prepare for things. Not necessarily government overthrow, folks. Really, seriously. How about floods? How about blizzards? How about hurricanes? Um, mm-hmm. To me, it is absolutely insane that a, fam- that a family wouldn't have something there for in case of emergency. No, I mean, that doesn't make me pre-crime. That makes me fucking smart and you fucking stupid. (laughs) A lot of this, a lot of the way things are being, terms are being bandied about and claims are being made, it, it makes me very wary to discuss uncomfortable things. Not just out in the open, but to voice a dissenting opinion it's 
I don't. It feels like there's. They shouldn't eat it. Well, it feels like there is a war of opinion against the way I live my life. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to live my life to please anybody else. I can't. I wasn't raised that way. I I'm I grew up on a farm. We ate everything that we grew and we raised and we butchered. I know how to go out and snare something, a rabbit. I know how to skin it. I know how to clean it. I know how to cook it. Um, I also know what to do with larger animals that are somewhat past their barn but still edible. Um, I know how to hunt. I like target shooting. I like that a lot. I get rid of a lot of stress doing that. And a lot of these things are also being tossed about as things that might show that someone has terroristic tendencies. That scares me. This is a normal way of life where I grew up. I was raised by a marine sharpshooter. So I know how to handle a gun and I know how to safely handle a gun and I know you don't grab a gun when you're pissed off. A lot of people don't. And I really dislike being put in the same category as people who are out of their fucking minds. That really pisses me off. Well, I'm not going to go into all the things I know about. Uh, (laughs) Safe to say that if if they do actually have anything from my internet history and all the rest, (laughs) if I set foot in the United States, <laughs> I could possibly be carted straight to jail and never seen again. Because um, I know a, a wide variety of um, interesting and novel things. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's what's But I'm a peaceful me. person. I, I, I know too. all this stuff. Doesn't mean I'm going to use it. Yeah, I'm Doesn't not suddenly I'm going to freak out and become a terrorist. Um, <laughs> although, if I did... Yeah, it'd be messy. (laughs) All I can say is this. A lot of the people I know and a lot of the people I'm friends with are considered dangerous people for ideas that they have. And they're ideas that are as old as time itself. I don't know what that says about the world we live in now, but it feels dangerously unbalanced. Okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah, we've got some time. It's a stingray story. You want the music then? Yes, please. Stand by for action. to launch Stingray.
Anything can happen in the next half hour. The IRS wants you to know that they've only used their Stingray to track 37 phones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that they're admitting to, I think. <laughs> You're laughing just like I am too. Tax agency will soon follow similar warrant policies recently issued by the DHS and the DOJ. Following revised policies from other federal law enforcement agencies, the Internal Revenue Service now says it will require the use of a warrant when deploying a Stingray, also known as a cell site simulator. In a new letter to an Oregon senator, I would assume that's Ron Wyden, IRS Director John Koskayan wrote that the Stingray has only been used as part of 11 grand jury investigations to track 37 phones. The IRS Stingray has also been used to assist with four other non-IRS investigations, both at the federal and state level. According to the document, the IRS first obtained the Stingray in October 2011 and is attempting to procure a second Stingray. Stingrays, also known as cell site simulators, can be used to determine a phone's location by spoofing a cell tower, and in some cases they can intercept calls and text messages and record them. Let's not forget that. Once deployed, the devices intercept data from a target phone as well as information from other phones within the vicinity. In late October, Koskine told a Senate committee that the IRS stingrays are only used in criminal investigations. The director's new remarks come one day after The Guardian revealed that the IRS had made purchases from two well-known surveillance device manufacturer, Harris Corporation, in 2009 and 2012. Previously, during a hearing, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon had asked Koskayan to provide the number of times that its stingray had been used. Koskayan then promised to do it in writing. In addition to the warrant promise, Koskayan elaborated on the new IRS policy in his letter to Wyden. On September 3, 2015, the Department of Justice issued a DOJ policy guidance. Use of cell site simulator technology requiring federal agencies to obtain a search warrant supplied by a probable cause are using the technology except in exigent or exceptional circumstances and addressing the use and retention of the information collected using this technology. The IRS distributed the DOJ policy to personnel trained in the use of this equipment that same week, and we are currently drafting a policy which will be issued November 30, 2015. This policy will mirror the DOJ's policy requirement to obtain a search warrant supported by probable cause prior to using the technology, except in exigent or exceptional circumstances. Well, that that puts terrorism right on the list, by the way, for y'all in case you didn't know. It has not used this technology since the issuance of the DOJ policy and is placed to hold on its use until the new policy is issued, allegedly. I I still want to know how how they managed to only get thirty seven phones. <laughs> were, were they were they only using the site when 
the people who were investigating entered one-horse towns that didn't have <laughs> very many people in them. I mean, what? Because we know the technology grabs every phone it does. that it comes across. So I there's know. no way they've only grabbed 37. Oh, I agree with you. There but is. That's what they said, so therefore it must It must be true. Be true. It has to be true. I read it. It was on the internet. It's totally true. Um, yeah. I just, I, I have a question. Why the fuck does the IRS need that? It's not like there isn't abundant information about us stored by every other fucking government agency. Yeah, they can't the go over and knock don't... on the FBI's door and go, hidey ho. Yeah, the, the different agencies don't like sharing information with each other. Well, they should be fucking mandated to. For one thing, it would save yeah. us a lot of money, and then we'd actually have better... And I hate to say it, you, you, when they're not spying on you, you actually want your spies to do a good job. We'd probably have more competent spying if we had less people doing it. I mean, well, yeah, we've yes, got as Laurel and Hardy doing it now. Well, that's one of the problems in the U.S. I mean, due to uh, legacy issues, uh, polite way of putting it, all your different agencies all spend a great deal of their resources actually spying on each other. Which is insane. <laughs> they spy on each other, they spy on us, and, you know, oh, we hear that there might be a terrorist attack. Don't worry, we'll tell the officer in charge here, and then nothing happens. I, I just... Yeah. What they're doing is useless, and it's wasteful, and it's stupid, and it's taking away the very last vestiges of privacy we have. Well, I, I mean, it's, I, we, you know they're doing it as well because yeah. some of the some of the terrorist acts you've had in the states, it, you know, it's come out afterwards that well, the FBI knew there was something going on. They just didn't bother telling the local <laughs> authorities. Well, a <laughs> lot, like, a lot of times, what they're actually finding now is the FBI is setting up a lot of these kids. Yeah. They're setting up a lot of people with special needs, and it's almost like they're trying to... They're putting on the dog and pony show saying, see, it really is worth paying us X amount of billion per year because we stopped this you know, terrorist attack from blowing up a Christmas tree in the town square. You know, it, and, uh, It's ridiculous uh, stuff. The Snowden like revelation just showed us that the NSA are so paranoid that different departments within the NSA... Don't give each other information and spy on each other. I they mean, don't. You know, they even have they have supervisors spying on the workers there. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you know. Well, technically, you do have to have oversight, but they're taking it way too they're far. They're taking it way too far. Yeah, I agree. It's just such screwed up bullshit. It doesn't need to happen. Jeannie, thoughts before we grab Alex? Anything? Grab Alex. Grab Alex. <laughs> My thought is grab Alex. <laughs> no comment. Okay. <laughs> right. Try and find they, Alex. They just they fucking lie, Jan. That that's that's what they do. Oh, I know. They and they all lie, and they lie to such a degree that I don't know. I have a hard time. Oh, we should put that link in there that you sent me. Well, we in can the, read that in the chat. Yeah. We can read that later because I mean. It, I don't care if we go overnight. I, I actually feel better. I took a week off from doing really serious stuff. I feel a lot better. So, right there we go. Good evening, Alex. Good evening. 
Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 12-7-2015. Hi, Alex. How are you this evening? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. So what exciting news have you got for us this week? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it's been a a couple of weeks. Actually, we missed last week um, so that uh, you could uh, simulcast the... NBC kind of advocacy get together. Um, and that was uh, informative. Um, of course, Julie yeah, participated good. in that, and some yeah. other other uh, other big names. Um, oh man, uh, I, I'm I'm a little unprepared. Sorry, I'm I'm, a, I'm sick today, so I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but this is timely. Um, it just this afternoon put out a call to action for Alameda, Alameda County in California. Um, they have a, uh, uh, County board of supervisors meeting tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 11 AM. Um, and, uh, they're going to be discussing two ordinances. One will restrict where, vapor products can be used and the other will be um, addressing uh, tobacco retailer licensing. Um, of course, both of these ordinances use the unfortunate term electronic smoking device and also redefine tobacco to include electronic cigarettes. Um, so anybody in Alameda County, um, please uh get to that meeting. Uh, this is actually one of those rare cases where we have a, uh, a member of the Board of Supervisors who is opposed to this, this legislation and is asking people to show up and testify. And um, so they're, they're actually interested in hearing stories from people who have successfully transitioned from smoking to vapor products. Um, and uh, so yeah, it sounds like he would like to get this shut down. Um, and also for, for people who don't quite understand the issues with, um, tobacco retailer licensing, uh, especially in California. Um, I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but it bears repeating because here we are looking at it again and we'll see this, <laughs> we'll see this a lot going forward, especially in California. Um, there is a movement afoot, uh, at least in the Bay area, um, to, um, require, well, first of all, there's a movement afoot to reduce over time the concentration of tobacco retailers in Mm -hmm. the various municipalities around, around the Bay. Um, and so this is problematic for vape shops because and there were a couple of people, I think, in San Francisco, in San Francisco, that actually encountered this issue, um, where the, the city council is going to pass this 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 ordinance, right. but vapor shops haven't gotten tobacco retailer licenses yet, because, well, frankly, they don't need them; they're not required by the state to have them, uh, and so what happens is as this ordinance passes, they're usually, they're putting a cap on the number of tobacco retailer licenses that will be issued, Mm -hmm. um, or are allowed per like, you know, 
10,000 or 100,000 people, something like that. Right. So depending on where you are and the timing of when this ordinance passes, this could mean a, uh, a moratorium on opening new vapor shops in, in a municipality. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, a tobacco retailer's license, I know a lot of people, uh, I know that a bunch of people in Illinois and a bunch of people in California have sort of preemptively gotten their tobacco retailer license in anticipation mm-hmm. of laws like this being passed. But a lot of folks um, are unaware of this stuff. And quite frankly, uh, a tobacco retailer license for a vapor shop is kind of silly. So um, yeah. uh, I, it's understandable that people wouldn't be thinking about that. Um, but uh, but yeah, everybody really should be paying attention to this. I, I can't remember. I want to say that Massachusetts is also doing something similar Um any kind of ultra anti nicotine stuff coming out of Massachusetts it should not be a surprise to anybody. Um, <laughs> and that's another thing that we'll talk about briefly. Um, uh, but yeah, Alameda, California, uh, County Board of Supervisors meeting tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. They want to hear your story. Uh, so um, yeah, get out there and do that. And uh, we put out our call to action. There are phone numbers, not emails, there are phone numbers for all of the district supervisors. Um, I believe it is supervisor Miley who is kind of, uh, who is the one that is in, that is opposing these bills. Um, okay. so maybe not melt his phone in the morning, but everybody else is fair game. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's for California. Um, Boston, um, again, uh, this came out, I think this came out a couple weeks ago. I don't know if we were, I think we talked about this. Um, Boston, Massachusetts, they're looking at tobacco 21 legislation. Um, and again, this is another instance where um, I, I think we did, I put this up on November 23rd. So um, the, uh, but really I, I, I the, reason I want to bring this up is that even though the the hearing was held on December 3rd last week, uh, and from what I understand, only one person, maybe three people made it out there. Um, somebody that that we're friends with from, from out Springfield way. Um, uh, so even though so few people showed up to, uh, uh, express opposition to this, uh, it's hard to even call it an ordinance um, because it's coming from the, the health department, basically. Um, uh, but it's uh, a change to the city's tobacco regulations. Um, so it, since so few people showed up, uh, it's, it's worth noting that uh, the email address for the Boston Public Health Commission is in our call to action. So if you live in or around Boston, if you have any reason to go to Boston, um, and uh, you want to protect access to vapor products, then I would recommend sending the Boston Public Health Commission an email. Um, it's it's one email address. It's not a huge list you have to comb through. There's not a whole lot of other stuff going on, but we have the talking points and so on. And again, this is another one. First of all, they're raising the age of, to purchase um, all tobacco and vapor products up to 21, leaving people between the ages of 18 through 20 out in the cold and of course banning the sale of flavored products 
in any shop that's not a dedicated vapor retail shop. Um, I know that that exemption for vape shops sounds convenient, but like a lot of us, I'm sure, um, you know, I got my first exposure to vapor products at a gas station. So mm-hmm. um, it's a very important outlet for adult smokers to see these products for the first time. Right. <sighs> um, <laughs> that is that. What else? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it, last but certainly not least, uh, Pennsylvania, um, which, by the way, and I should really check these statistics. Um, uh, oh, crap, i got to log back in. Um, hold on just a second. Um, Pennsylvania advocates, by the way, are on top of this. I, I, I uh, am, well, okay, 34 phone calls. That's not bad, but um, in a state with 7,000 members, we can certainly do better. Um, but uh, yeah, we do, we do typically get good participation from, from Pennsylvania advocates. Um, so far, 1,200 people have sent emails, which is pretty good. Um, that's a little, that's a, a bit more than 10%. Um, so uh, the... Yep, there's people like me that, that not only do I submit, but I have my family submit as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what it is about Pennsylvania, but um, Pennsylvania is right up there with, with Texas in terms of people, you know, really responding to this stuff. So um, so thanks, Jeannie, <laughs> to you and your neighbors. Um, uh, and uh, and Chris Hughes, uh, obviously, he's the Savata uh, president, I guess, there has been very active in getting the word out as well. Um, but uh, so for those who don't know, uh, apparently the Pennsylvania budget negotiations are, they're kind of pulling a Kansas. Uh, I, I know that the legislative session goes on a little bit longer, but um, they are sort of in and out uh, of agreements on this. And unfortunately that puts, that puts vapor products in a very precarious spot because the state has somewhat naively estimated that they will get $20 million in tax revenue <laughs> from this proposed tax um i'm sorry despite the fact that every state that touches a border with pennsylvania does not tax these products and um the two largest cities in pennsylvania for the most part share borders with some of these states um so that 20 million dollars seems like a long shot i have a theory on that alex Uh, okay um, when New York State raised their tobacco taxes through the roof, um, it it realistically um, is quite a bit over ten dollars a pack for cigarettes in New York State. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to live in a town that is literally one mile from the New York State border. Yeah. Do you? I mean, imagine the amount of people that drive here specifically to get cigarettes because it's closer than driving to the Indian reservation. And and it happens a lot. Okay. So even though Pennsylvania has lower tobacco taxes than New York state, they're still making a shit ton of money. Yeah. Why would they, you know, let vapor products slide? Well, they're, they're honestly thinking that they're going to double dip because the state of Pennsylvania is profiting, profiting, 
a huge amount of money um, in tobacco sales from the bordering states having a higher tax rate. And vapor products to them are going to hurt that. So let's tax the shit out of that because then we can make money everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's, but uh, they they also have bills, so that might not work out for them like they thought. Yeah, I mean so. it, the the bright shining spot here is that at least the the you know with with Bill Gottschall uh, doing the work that he does, at least we won't see a, a, a hike or any taxes imposed on smokeless tobacco. We hope, um, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, it, it is really just it, it, it is it's a bad move. It's it's naive policy, and um, uh, unfortunately, we're just sort of caught in the middle of all of this because um, you know the the vapor lobby is not well developed anywhere in this country, and so um, with, probably with the exception of Oklahoma, um, and uh, so it, I think it's it, you know we're sort of outnumbered at all of these tables, and um, I, I think they see. The vapor industry is fair game. Um, so the threat is very real uh, in Pennsylvania, and um, I, I would expect everybody that got our email should, should send, at the very least, send an email um, and uh, keep encouraging them to. Uh, we are extremely lucky that Bill Godshall lives in this state. <laughs> we are. Yeah, yeah we are yeah. extremely lucky. Um, my only caution to, to vapors is. A lot of us know that Bill Gottschall is here and that Bill fights for us constantly. Um, my thing is people don't expect him to do everything for us. We still have to do our part. Um, I, I absolutely adore Bill, and he works tirelessly for us. Um, I just hope that people would take advantage of that and still advocate for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, somebody Very like true. Bill Gottschall, somebody like Bill Gottschall walking into the state legislature, it, it really it it makes his case all the more stronger when he can turn around and point to thousands of consumers that 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 are behind him. Uh, it's just the same. It's the same kind of message that that Kassar has been putting out, which is, um, you know, the more people that we can count as members, the stronger our position becomes. Um, the louder our voice becomes. Even if, even if some of the, even if most of those people aren't taking action, the fact that we can walk into any policymaking body and say we have 123,000 members behind us, you need to, you really need to listen to what we have to say. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, in a state like Pennsylvania, somebody like Bill Godshall or, um, you know, even a retailer, to be able to say we have over 7,000 people in this state that are engaged in this issue, um, you know. To lawmakers, that should translate to seven thousand voters, um, and even before that, that's seven thousand human beings whose lives, you know, really depend on access to these products. So, um, so yeah, it, it really does help. The more the more people we get involved in this, the better. Okay. True. Um, and so, uh, oh yeah, the other thing, uh, just to point out, it's still on Pennsylvania. Um, in our update that came out this morning um we have listed uh phone numbers for uh majority leader jack reed and uh majority leader jake corman i believe that is senate and house respectively 
I might be getting the, the houses mixed up, but um, both of those folks are um, key to uh, making a decision about whether or not to keep vapor products in the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and since they are considered leadership, anyone in the state should feel comfortable giving them a call. Uh, you don't just have you don't have to be strictly from their district. Uh, that's why we have their phone numbers posted, and mm-hmm. that's why we have the additional talking points posted on our main call to action. So um, nice. give those two a call and uh, let them know how important vapor products are to you or a family member in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm missing something. Uh Um, um, oh. Okay. Um, we do have, uh, it's, it's sort of an unofficial update at this point, but um, folks may have seen, I didn't check the site today, but our earlier call to action um, for submitting comments to the FDA on the proposed intended use regulation, mm-hmm. um, that they are reopening the comment period. So it'll actually be a different, um, is it the same docket, but kind of a different file? I forget how it works. It's, it's the same thing that happened okay. with the deeming regulations when they extended the comment period. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that has been extended, I believe, for another 30 days. Um, so if you have not followed that call to action, we should be updating that soon. Um, okay. But just to let everybody know, since it's Monday and mm-hmm. probably by the end of the week, we'll get something updated on our site. Um, uh, comments are still being taken for the proposed intended use regulation. Nice. And I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you, Alex, for everything you do for us. And have a nice night. Go take some NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> and relax if you can. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Jeannie, do you want to grab that story you talked about earlier? Yes, ma'am. Do you want to read it? Sure. We are talking about the self-defense article, correct? We can be, yeah. But that was the article that I was talking about. Yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> the one go with for uh, it. the one with Daphne. Yeah, yeah, the girl who doesn't like guns. Yeah, self-defense pretty- is your responsibility, and guns aren't magical objects. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world without guns? Well, maybe everyone doesn't think so. One thing I know we can all agree on is we would love to live in a world without violence. I hate guns. They creep me out. But here's the thing. We have to be realistic about the world we live in. The reality is that we do, indeed, live in a world with violence. We also live in a world that's governed by my natural law. And self-defense is natural law. I don't think anyone can argue against self-defense. There is another natural law that says each of us are a sovereign being. A sovereign being must be able to take care of themselves. 
Taking care of yourself on the most basic level includes getting yourself food, water, and shelter, building fire, and protecting yourself. Some people are under the belief that in modern times, they don't need to protect themselves. If you believe that, I'm sorry, but I don't know how to put this any other way. You are naive. Catastrophes happen. Governments get out of control and terrorize. Some of us are extremely fortunate to never really have had to personally experience violence. But again, this is an extreme rarity in the written history of planet Earth. The thing that boggles my mind about the anti-gun campaign is that people are demanding guns be removed from the people, not from the government. When governments are the most violent people in the world, in recorded history, they are the people we have had to be most cautious of, hands down. Well, if you really want to get into it, isn't the powerful elite behind the government? If you don't recognize that, again, I'm sorry, but you are naive. If you study history even a little bit, the reoccurring theme is tyranny through government. It upsets me that gun activists are mocked in this country. I am personally intimidated by guns, and I'm extremely grateful for the responsible gun owners. I respect them and thank them, that they may be the only thing that keeps government in check. Owning a gun is a big responsibility. And I am comforted knowing that responsible gun owners would be there in a time of catastrophe. Guns don't make people violent. They don't have magical powers. Owning one doesn't turn you into a different person. A gun is a tool. I know, <clears throat> I know people suffer greatly and lose their lives at the hands of guns. Violent people are violent. And if they don't have access to guns... They will find another tool to hurt people with. Guns can't be eradicated from the planet at this present time. If guns are removed from the people, it is the most powerful who will be left with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but you wouldn't have to be extremely night or so, uh, whoops, sorry, typo. <laughs> Jeannie misspoke. <laughs> it's the most powerful people who will be left with them. And I'm sorry, but you would have to be extremely naive to think that is a good idea. Who are you more afraid of having guns? The people who live on this land or the government, the most violent people in our country? If guns were to be removed from the people, you would have to rely completely on the government, the most violent people on earth, to protect you. You would be completely at their mercy. History shows what happens when governments get too much power. There's thousands of years of history to demonstrate that for you. There's a ton of really clever propaganda out there tugging on the heartstrings of loving, peaceful people. It tells you that if you don't like violence, then you should support taking guns away from the people. Is it really the people you should be worried about? Or are the powerful elite of this country growing increasingly scared as they become more and more violent toward us and our brothers and sisters around the world? I don't like writing about controversial things like this. I get anxious about it. I'm not personally a gun owner. I'm not even a gun activist. I am a critical thinker, and I want to see my brothers and sisters clear-headed. I want to live in a world free of tyranny. I want my people to think critically. Peace and love to achieve a less violent world. Let's love each other, help each other, open our hearts and open our eyes, and let's not give in to fear. Let's live in love. Yeah, well, 
you know, it, it was such a rare opinion from someone who didn't own a gun that I just, I almost fell over when I read it. You know, most people who don't own them are scared to death of them. Oh, and when I first used one, when I was little, I was scared to death too. Um, it really does depend on how you're raised, I think. People might say it's genetics or, or whatever, but it really does depend on how you're raised. I am. Um, there are certain people who, like, let's be honest. What happened in Connecticut, that kid never should have been around firearms. You know, his mother should have shown some better judgment. I I have been called a couple of things lately. <laughs> and and I seriously, Jan, um Kazi's going to be on the show with me on Thursday. Um, That'll be good. Yep, as, I love as himself. Just I love as Kazi. himself, not not representing anything just as himself. I absolutely love him. I love the way his brain works. Um and yeah. he put a post the other day and 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 I'm so thankful to him for it. Um I have just started removing people from my friends list. I have. Um there are there are I'm I'm down to under two thousand now, and it's going to be reduced even more and more and more. Um, I'm I'm not going to argue with people um, if if people start posting um, extremist views. In my opinion, um, I'm I'm just done. You know, political shit done. Um, Anti-gun shit, you're done. Um, you know, uh, um, no racist things you're 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 done you're gone um, I, I have been called a gun nut and a freedom steal a liberty stealing whore in the last week jan do you know this is this this is what hurts us this shit is what hurts us as a group of people when you start seeing people as other it's easy for you to call them names, to see them differently, to not see yourselves as one people. And maybe this sounds all hippy-dippy and weird. I don't really fucking care. We are all one people. All any of us really wants is to be left alone, to live our lives without too much government interference, peacefully. That's really what most of us want. And... When you allow yourselves to fall victim, and I don't want to say fall victim, but when you allow yourself to be swayed by popular opinion, it turns you against people that you should be united with. There are people out there that you should rightly fear, but when it's turning you against people that you were once friends with, there's a real problem. And by keeping us divided, it makes us less powerful as a whole. I don't know if you've ever seen the illustration where there's a politician and he's standing at a podium. And there's a plank. And there's a bunch of people standing in back of this one person holding the plank up. And if the people can convince this one person to step back from the plank, the politician will fall. That's kind of a euphemism almost for the way the world works 
there's way more of us than there are of people who would oppress us. And if we could just get our shit together, we could accomplish so much. It just makes me really sad. I can debate things to hell won't have it. And I, and I don't have a problem with that. And I don't have a problem disagreeing with people. I don't. Um, as far as I'm concerned, part of being a critical thinker and being an adult, um, this adulting thing, folks, this adulting things means that you can disagree with someone and still be their friend. Um, and I can do that. Uh, when people start throwing around things at me, like, you know, um, because I believe in my right to own a firearm, that makes me a gun nut. Um, fuck you. Um, and when I say that I don't believe that everybody on the planet should be able to own a firearm, that's when I get called things like a, a, a liberty stealing whore. Um, I don't feel that I am either of those things. Um, there there are a lot of things that I can affect a change on. Mm-hmm. And and debating things and being subjected to being called names like that on Facebook um, is, is a little bit self-defeating, I think, for me at this time. Um, because it's not something that I can affect a change on at this moment. Um, advocacy, on the other hand, um, that's something that, that I have a chance of, of accomplishing something yeah about um so that's where i'm pretty much focused on right now um i i tried to have a discussion with a friend of mine that that this really isn't about guns and he just freaked the fuck out when i said that um well my personal view is i don't i don't think this this should be about the guns it's not about the guns it's it's about people that that are convinced that that they want to um in inflict harm and death on people and they're going to use whatever tool that they can get a hold of to do it and uh, i mean you know what hammers yeah people beat people to death with hammers 437 times every single day um did you see the post I put up about um, drinking or driving? No. Okay. And this, this data comes from the CDC, and I know we don't hold a lot of faith in them and <laughs> accurate information. But um, So if anybody wants to call me a crackpot and say I just pulled this information up because I'm a gun nut, um, no. Every day, almost 30 people in the United States die in a motor vehicle crash that involves an alcohol-impaired driver. This amounts to one death every 51 minutes. The annual cost of alcohol-related crashes totals more than $59 billion. You know, there's... Well, there's a more worrying one that I've seen in the past. Isn't it something like 17 people a day in the United States die due to bed-related incidents? Yeah. Oh, my God! Burn the beds! Do you know how... You know what's really... Don't forget about the mass media... Because the, the, the agenda right now is gun control. Because that's, that is an agenda, Jan. You and I agree on that. Gun control is an agenda. Well, control is their agenda. Contro- control is their agenda. People are looking at these numbers and saying, oh, we've had all these mass shootings. 
Somebody dies every 51 minutes in a drinking and driving related accident. Right. But it's, can I... it's, it's not necessarily the drinker that's right. becoming dead. So, I mean, they because they have this control issue that they, they really want to control everything, and that's really what it is. You're, you're exactly right, Jan. They, they are focusing on this number. And what people fail to see is the number of deaths related in a lot of other things that far exceed this. Now, I don't believe, you know, I, I I am sick at the loss of life. I really am. I am sick at the loss of life. And I am not trying to justify anyone dying in a mass shooting. Not at all. I'm not justifying that at all. That honestly, that shit should never happen. That shit should never happen. That shouldn't happen. People and for something else to look at. What about the attack in the the tube in the UK? Yeah. Some some asshole runs in with a machete trying to hack people's heads off. I mean, if you ban something, someone will find something else to hurt someone with. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I'm, 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 violent I'm not... people always find a way. It's as simple as that. The problem is this is this is terrorism. And it's terrorism of the press. And it's terrorism of people with different opinions. Um, terrorism, basically, the actual definition of it is creating the creation of irrational fear. We have a rational fear of one another now. We shouldn't have that, but we do. Well, we're scared of anything that's different. I'm, I'm going to and say this. I'm going to say this on here because if I say it in other places in the UK, mainly, yeah, it wouldn't go well for me. Um, There's a lot of fuss last week around the vote on the UK joining bombing Syria. Now, I don't agree with the way it's been laid out, but I did mention something that's true. Um, I said on Facebook, you know, bombing, the bombing isn't really going to work. What we need to do is bring terror to the terrorists. And of course, we that's a nice statement. And terror. People, I don't, I don't ah, think we need to do it this is this is where it gets complicated. Bombing of itself isn't going to stop what's going on. Every military expert in the world agrees with that. They know it's down to you need to have people on the ground as well. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> our great prime minister over here lied about that. He's going, oh, there's these 70,000 troops we can rely on which is the people who are opposed to Assad. Except, of course, that's not true. One, the numbers are wrong. And two, at least half of those are also radicals who will become terrorists. It's just they're not affiliated with IS or Daesh. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's not a solution. (laughs) 
the whole point, yeah, voting, oh, we must join our allies in bombing. It's like, they're already bombing the shit out of the place. Um, our few planes are not going to add very much. Um, but you need to bring terror to the terrorists. You need to teach them fear. Unfortunately, no government goes along with that. I mean, in the UK, we had the IRA thing. Right. And the SAS <laughs> were told, we need to deal with the IRA, you need to do something about them. And the SAS started to. They started bringing terror to the terrorists. But then the politicians found out what they were doing and put a stop to it. Because, basically, the SAS are good at what they do. Yeah, they were terrifying the shit out of the IRA. Because the SAS were just going in and shooting people with no warning. Little hit groups. Basically, little groups of assassins. Tracking, identifying the most prominent terrorists, and just shooting them. And that's the only way you can really deal with that sort of thing. But public don't have um, sympathy for that approach. The only other thing you can do is, yes, bombing's part of it, but you need to isolate them, stop them expanding, control them, stop them being able to going outside their little borders. Um, Which is what the UK government did with the IRA. Right. Only marginally successfully. Right. But, yeah. Well, it's really fucking hard when my government, my government, our government, when we know that they're arming peaceful Syrian rebels, which, what the fuck is that? And then all these weapons and all this other stuff is ending up in the hands of Daesh. Well, how is that happening? In yeah. the how it's happening is that the people fighting for Daesh and fighting for all these other groups—they're mercenaries. Yeah, we're arming fucking mercenaries, and we're arming both fucking sides of the conflict. Well, I, been... if we are going to do war, yeah, we need to do what we did in 1945 and hit them with unstoppable amount of people. An ungodly amount of force and with the will to do things that no one else has the fucking balls to do anymore. Or yeah. shut the fuck up and go the hell home. Well, yeah, I mean, he got um, World War Two is a good example. He got a lot of flack for it afterwards, but the, the commander of Bomber Command in the UK, Bomber Harris, right. uh, yeah, he took terror to Germany. He firebombed Dresden. You know, I don't... <laughs> Believe me, I don't like innocent loss of life in 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 all of these things that will occur. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to have the will and the forethought to think this through. Like a soldier, I was I was raised by a by a person who understands military strategy in a way I never will. Yeah. Okay. I I I don't even understand it, but we lack conviction. When we're doing shit half-assed the way we're doing. Yeah. We'll put some boots on the ground. We'll do some drone strikes here. You know, we'll drop some weapons there. We'll fund some people here. All that is bullshit. If you're going to pretend your Team America World Police fucking do what you did in 1945 and just fucking end that reign of terror. 
Contain, control, destroy. Destroy. And we lack the conviction to do it. And I... Believe me, I understand human rights and stuff, but... Like, let me put it this way. Saudi Arabia just beheaded and hung 42 people today. They did it in front of the world. They did it on the internet. Mm -hmm. These people are the head of the UN Human Rights Committee. How the fuck is that possible? If, If any of these groups that we started had conviction, shit like this wouldn't happen. Yeah. And a lot of the reason Daesh acts the way it does is because of Saudi Arabia also pouring money into their coffers. Well, so n- it's, it's not really... so much anymore, but yeah, it was them that funded it all in the beginning. So, yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't know. We just lack conviction to do what we have to do. And, um, and yeah. we went a bit off topic there, but it, yeah, it relates to the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's people. I... People have people have um, preconceived ideas, and as Jeannie said, yeah, Facebook is terrible. People just rant on and on and on. You know, I, I honestly, I think the only way you're ever going to solve anything is to have face to face discussions with people. Yeah, because you can't do it over social media, for God's sake. Do you, you know how many people think they've got these big-ass fucking balls and then when they come face-to-face with just a little woman and they have to have a rational talk with her, they can't fucking do it? Well, yeah, I always equate it to um, stuff that used to happen when I was younger, when I was drinking in bars. I'd be sitting down and I'm one of these uh, people, I've got a short body and quite long arms and legs. Mm-hmm. So when I'm sitting down, I don't look that big. Mm-hmm. And you'd have idiot drunks coming up trying to pick a fight with you and the quickest way to get rid of this problem was to go okay then and stand up (laughs) (laughs) and suddenly they're not so brave anymore you know I don't um, I don't know how to put this I don't a lot of the problems we have are because we don't deal with each other face to face Um, people can't handle criticism over the internet you really don't get a lot of people who are willing to have rational discussions with other people. Um, If you don't have that, you're never going to have a solution that is workable for society as a whole. And that, that, that is how democracy works. Yeah. And there is none of that if we can't speak civilly to each other. Actually, I'm going to drop a video link into... <laughs> into chat. No, okay. no, it's it's not the Christmas tree one. Um, <laughs> hang on, I just need to. Oh, you, know Oops. you know what? We didn't say anything about during the Casa update. No, it all was what? Canada. The protest in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there were hundreds protest. of people who showed that, up for that. Yeah, I that mean, that's, that's bears, amazing. Yeah, that bears mentioning. Um, it, it, what a phenomenal turnout that they had um i know it wasn't what they would have liked um of course all of us anytime anybody is is organizing any kind of peaceful protest they they wish for thousands and hundreds of thousands of people but yeah um that was that was amazing 
Um, no, I really yeah. hope it works out for them. I hope that they can get Bill 45 amended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was that was so nice to see. I I tagged every news media outlet in Buffalo, New York on that. Um, so that they knew it was coming beforehand. And I really wish they would have done some coverage on it. I, I really, really wish they would have. Um, yeah, you're, you're in North America, you're, you're hitting the same problem we had in Europe. Vape-related protests, media just ignore it. Yeah, well, actually, the Canadian media was all over this shit. Yeah, well, they yeah, were. Yeah, any, any public action in Canada attracts a yeah. lot of attention because it's rare. Well, it, it, but it's rare because they're criminalizing it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, they, the media asked people specifically to blow clouds for pictures, and I... I I really wish they hadn't done that. Yeah. I'm not asking anybody to hide the cloud chasers. Um, I did have a little bit of a debate on somebody. Somebody um, was was really laying into um, the cloud chasers on on the you know what? on they're the part. on the group, and I'm like, you know what? They're they're part of this. They're do a part I, of this now. Do I do I think that it's bad for our public image? Yes, I do believe that it's bad for our public image. Um, I think that's where a lot of the strife has come from. Is because we have assholes that think that it's fine to, to blow out but, big, huge but I don't. In front of I, I think it's children. I think uh, it's generational thing. I think it it's is. like it's like a rave. I mean, it's like ten years ago going to a rave. People your age and my age probably weren't going to those. You no. know what I mean? But that's just fun to kids. But it is. And part I'm not of- saying kids, but you know what I mean. Younger people. Yep. Um, I don't believe that everybody is sub ohm. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, well, everybody's got a sub-ohm tank now. Well, I've got one. Yes, guys, I've got one. I don't like it and I don't use it. <laughs> um, um, part of that stems from the fact that I went to get new coils for it and the kid behind the counter gave me point threes when I specifically told him I did not want those. Um, thank God I have a rebuild kit so now I can rewrap the heads in it myself. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's besides the point. Um the media asked for a lot of that, and what I really like to see was in a lot of the articles um, that the media themselves said in quickly dissipating vapor clouds. Yeah. Uh, it really does bother me to no end when the media says things like, they're smoke. Um, yeah. Because well, that's, that, that's the biggest not- one they always say. Electronic smoke. Smoking devices. Smoking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to justify that a little bit because it is countered in my book by the amount of people that say, oh, it's only water vapor, when that's not true. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, cigarette smoke, mm-hmm. not to burst anybody's bubble, 97% water vapor. Yeah. So, you know, I, let's be truthful and fair about this. You know, there's more stuff in tobacco smoke than just water vapor. And there's a little bit more stuff in in what we exhale than just water vapor. There's flavoring molecules. There might be a spare nicotine molecule here and there. And it, it all really does matter. And they all will really call us on it. Oh, since since we've gone into vape and stuff, a couple of things <laughs> okay. from the UK. Sorry, I had right. to mention it because I really did That's, think Canada it's okay. It's it's a it's a vaping their props the, for what they did. It's a vaping show, not that you can tell. Most there are of the a couple time. of th- important things that have happened in that are happening in the UK. Uh, one last week, yeah. the first medical authorization for an e-cigarette was granted. 
And you just know that's going to be fantastic. It's uh, basically, it's a 401. I'm sure the older vapors will remember that. An M401? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, a little, I'm a sorry. little teeny, a little teeny 180 milliamp hour, probably, cigalike. Yeah, that'll be With fucking cartos. <gasps> um, and yep. yes, it, it, it is a British-American tobacco de- device. So that's going to be available on the NHS? Yes, in the spring. That's insane. Do you realize how many health advocates are, like, Stan, the mechanic, Stanton Glance must be, like, shitting himself right now. Uh-huh. Well, as I've been putting to anyone who's been anti-e-cigarette that I've come across, we told you you are going to hand it to the tobacco industry. <laughs> and that's what they've done. Now, the, if, that, that's pretty bad, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, the other news is tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Welsh Parliament, the Synod, mm-hmm. has its debate on the latest Health Act, which will ban vaping indoors. So that's going to be interesting. Because, uh, yeah, the rest of the UK will be watching that to see what they can get away with. Um, they're going to... The government is going to try to ban and control everything that they can. That's just what the government does, especially when it's grown as large as it has in the UK and in the United States. That That is just what it does. And at some point, I think we really need to talk about what civil disobedience is and what it can accomplish. Yes, I believe Mr. Dorn has been talking about that on Twitter over the last few days. Um but yeah, the the Nico Ventures, the British American Tobacco, the authorization, it will be coming to North America, because of course British American Tobacco has signed a technology deal with Reynolds to share all the ESIC technology. So, An yeah. M four hundred one. Yep. You, you, you know what American vapors are going to do with that, right? Not a lot, like everybody else. Um. Uh, yeah, they'll probably be like, what is this shit? I want my money back. Yeah. It's it's pretty terrible. That's a pretty terrible device. You, oh, God. Well, you just knew it was going to be less than stellar. After the Public Health England report a couple of months back, uh, doctors in the UK are paying far more attention, and most of them are even saying, what use is that going to be? It's not. They don't want anything to actually compete with pharma. They read the Public Health England report, which says first generation devices aren't any good. You need They're second useless. generation or bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're going to end up with. So when the TPD comes in, unless uh, other companies get their finger out, that may well be the only thing officially on the market. Well, you know... um, I think a lot of us are, are in a position where we'll be okay, but a lot of the newer people, man, this is just going to leave them out in the cold. Yeah, I was saying that to a medical professional today. It's like, I was explaining it, I was showing them my box mod, you know, my nice mm-hmm. little subtle one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I use this at 40 watts. The thing they've produced, you'll be lucky if it does six. 
that's, and that's, and what, that's I, I'm a smoker. That's what I need. I need the 40 watts, 20 milligram. I was a heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. I was just, unless it's somebody that does only smokes 10 cigarettes a day, this medically authorised thing is at best as good as low-strength nicotine patches. It's, that's what I said to her. And I, I've got to say, like, when, when I first started, I was lucky. I got, like, a, a 510 yeah. and 800 batteries and backup <laughs> battery chargers and everything else. But um, the withdrawal, even though I was using, like, the highest strength nicotine I could get at the time, was really bad. I spent, like, a whole week just pretty much sleeping. Yeah. I, sl- I, I went to work. I ate, slept, vaped. And that's all I did. Well, yeah, I started um, on a 510, the original little one. Mm-hmm. And a week later, I bought a Reva, a couple of Revas. And even I, then, was... there was always one on charge. I was using one until I learned how to make mods, and then I got big batteries. Within three days, I had purchased uh, a, a torch mod from Gary Dibley. Yeah, that's how good it was. I was like, I can't handle this. There has to be something better. Did you get I don't a pass a through as well? Huh? Did you get a pass through as well? Uh, no. That that I was didn't. the only reason I survived my first month before I <laughs> built my first eighteen six fifty mod was I had a pass through. Oh, I had, I had no clue. And like my soldering is just terrible. It looks like I solder off a butter knife. I mean, I know you can, <laughs> but it it looks like I do. So my soldering technique is terrible so i'm a really bad builder of mods <laughs> um so i didn't really even try but you know we had magnum mods at that point and yeah. i think about the only alternatives were like gary dibley's torch mod and screwdrivers at that point yeah. yes there you go trog i mentioned you yeah <laughs> <laughs> still available to buy cave.com is it or something yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, How is he selling those still? I mean, I, he basically sells to people them. that it's the repeat custom thing. Yeah, because, and I got to tell you that for the first three years I smoked, or the first three years that I didn't smoke, um, I, the screwdriver was like the mod. It really was. It, and it really was. And And the reason that he's still selling them is... People still want to have a screwdriver by truck. They, they just well, do. The latest uh, one does, you know, he does have uh, an 18650 one there. So, yeah. Damn. <laughs> he, you, he moves. He changed with time slowly. But he yeah, changed. Did yeah you it's know? got a 510 and everything. I, mean, it's Kevin Arnold, I was just absolutely mind blown. Um, six kids? Oh, right. Yes, Damien. Yeah, yeah. Damien was on Kevin's show last night, and I'm like, "Holy!" Number one, his accent, absolutely to die for, absolutely to die for. <laughs> um, I could have listened to him talk all night, and he says "fuck" as much as I do. So props <laughs> to that guy too. There. Um, so not only does he have this really dreamy English accent, um, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. This really dreamy European accent. Is that what I want to say to not to not offend anybody? I don't um, think you're really offending anybody. I mean, because nah. there's different accents from different places. I he's, mean, there he's are, there from are places... somewhere in the south of England, fairly close to London. 
Yeah, I mean, there are, there are places <laughs> in, in the UK where people speak and sound almost like Texans. Yeah, and well, there are places in Texas where people have no fucking discernible accent uh, at all. So it's just freaky. Reggie? Yeah. Do you ever, have you ever talked to Reggie, Jan? <laughs> yes. What the I fuck? That? <laughs> that, that shit freaked me out. Dude, you live in Slovenia. Um, a whole... And by the way, uh, his second package that I mailed him actually managed to make it to Slovenia, so I'm very happy about that. But yeah, the first time I talked to Reggie, I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's got to be fake. Because, yeah, he sounds, sounds like more that. like he's from, from Texas. And I did have to look up Slovenia on, on Google Maps mm-hmm. uh, to figure out where the fuck it was. Chicken country. Yay. I'm sure Reggie told the you hell? the country's the in the with- shape of a chicken. Well, yeah, but, see, and here's what I don't get: they 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 sit on a sea, um, yeah, they're yes. on a sea, and everybody kind of fucked that country because everybody around them went, yeah, we're gonna take this part of the beach, and everybody, and then they went, oh, we're gonna take this part of the beach, and you know, so Slovenia got like a, a mile of beachfront. Yeah, it's the weirdest ass shaped country on yeah. the planet. Yeah, it is. It is the most fucked up shaped country I've ever seen in my life. Um, but yeah, because everybody else was like seashore hogs, um, they they gave they gave Slovenia like a mile of it, um, and it it's it's really weird. But anyway, so yeah, I did look Slovenia up on a map so I could find out where Reggie actually lives. Um, but that accent should not come from that part of the world. I'll tell you what freaks me out is somebody from that part of the world like playing country music. I'm like, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. And he's like, oh, the, everybody here who listens to this loves it. I'm like, like, so do you play anything sort of like classic country that I would recognize? No, not much. Like, okay. He did seem to enjoy when I linked him to, to um, the Johnny Cash USA recordings. Well, I told him that was like the, that's like the only country I can stand is Johnny Cash, and I've got to say I think Johnny Cash uh, has a little bit of something for everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you don't like certain things, he asked me like what song I wanted him to play one time, and I was like, "Hey, can you play Folsom Prison Blues?" <laughs> He's like, "Really? Yeah." I, I, I got him to play "Personal heard. Jesus" by Johnny Cash. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually a really good. I like country music, okay? I do. I like I like all kinds of music. Um, I have very eclectic taste in music. Uh, anybody that's ever shown up to my show and listened to the pre-show beforehand can attest to the fact that you never know what's going to come on for a song in pre-show, ever. Um, but the new country is not... I watched the CMA Awards with my husband. The new country isn't really country. It's like pop from 20 years ago. It, 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 there's very rarely do you hear a new country song now that actually sounds country. Oh, Jeannie, good one for you. Well, and John, and any music lovers out there. Motorhead's latest album. It's got a cover version on it. Go listen to it. Lemmy singing Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, Jesus. That's, that's kind of funny. Oh, good Lord. It's good. I have this new... And another ooh shiny moment here. Sorry, guys. Jeannie's going to have to leave here in about 15 minutes anyway, so I, there won't be any more ooh shinies after I leave. Um, 
I got to listening to Steve and Seagulls on YouTube. And Vera, you know who they are, don't you? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they're from Finland or Norway. Huh. Um, and, and it's these guys that have taken, and I got Case to listen to it, my buddy Case um, on Quest, who is definitely a, a, a metalhead. Um, I, poor Case, I think I traumatized him. But they do covers. <laughs> They're, they're, I mean, these guys show up with an accordion and a bass fiddle and, and, a, and a beatbox in coonskin caps and coveralls with one strap dangling off. Yeah. And they covers of Iron Maiden and ACDC, and it is just fucking epically funny. Um, I, I end up watching like two and a half hours of their videos on YouTube, and it just completely freaks out a lot of diehard metal fans. Um, but because my taste in music is so eclectic, eclectic um, it was freaking awesome. Are you Just aware of um, two cellos as well? Oh, two cellos are awesome. Yeah, yes. they do a lot of metal. <laughs> I I actually, my husband, uh, I stuck a link in the chat. Oh, yeah, there we go. Can't see shit. Um, I'll get the link in just a second, but... Um, and my husband's like a really big fan of, let's try this. I'll stick that link in the chat for Jeannie, and it will go through this time. My husband's a really big fan of this guy who actually does covers of damn near everything. And, like, just stuff you wouldn't think would sound good. He he makes them sound really good. He's pretty good. And he's like a one-guy production daily. He does all this by himself, all the singing, all the guitars, the vocals... All of it. And they're all just... Everything he releases is pretty much remakes of other songs. And people vote on what they want to hear. It's, he, he does a really good job. Oh, and, and I will say, Jeannie, you shouldn't worry about all the shiny. You missed a couple of weeks of shiny, so you're just catching up. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, <laughs> and I felt... Super, I, took, I took my antibiotics, and I laid down, and I'm like, okay, I'll sleep for a little bit, and I'll be okay. And it was like almost like, what, 9 o'clock at night, Jan, I'm messaging you? Yeah, I'm like, don't worry about I'm it. Like, oh my god. Well, I, I, we, that was that was a bad week because it's pre-holiday and just, I hate the holidays. I really do. <laughs> I and the, the more I work in retail, the less I like them. I so, just on Saturday, I'm thinking, God, I don't feel good. I'm just freezing and my bones hurt. And then Sunday, I'm like starting to run a fever, and I'm like, holy fuck, what is this? Maybe I got the flu. This this is like day two, so it'll be gone tomorrow, right? And then Monday, and I'm calling a doctor's office, and I'm like, you know, my fever is above 102 and a half. I think, um, I really think we have a problem. <laughs> Lurgy. Yeah. We had a problem. See, that's the best word for it. I blame The UK Bert. has the best word for, for general flu illness. The Lurgy is just a brilliant. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I had two ear infections and strep. Ooh. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. What the I, hell's I was... been Bernie? What is hell's been has Bernie been doing at school? Yeah, I wasn't a little sick. I was a lot fucking sick. It was terrible. I did I did absolutely nothing last nothing so but lay around did, and I would die. Did Bernie like roll in disgusting cell cultures at school or something? <laughs> well, you know, I'm Yeah, it's called his classmates. It's either, yeah. It's either <laughs> blame Bernie for going back to public school, which is a giant petri dish, or blame my grandkids. And my grandkids are still really cute, so we'll just blame Bernie. <laughs> Well, yeah, but Bernie's, Bernie's the one you have the most contact with at all times. So. Yeah, I, I would assume. 
actually, um, I, I blamed my reduction in vaping and in my reduction in, um, in my nicotine levels for it because I hadn't been sick for six years. Hadn't been sick since I had that pee in my right lung in 2009. I have not been sick. Um, I quit smoking January the 8th and hadn't even so much as had a, a wicked cold, you know. I mean, I've not felt good for a day, but that was the lump sum total of it. So um, I accidentally um, dropped my nicotine. Um, not on- <laughs> it, it really was an accident. Um, I, I ran out of e-liquid and I had all kinds of stuff going on. And the only e-liquid that I had here was a bottle of Zero Meg. Or zero, zero milligram for my Nazis out there that hate when I call it Meg. Um, and so I put some of that in my tank and I ended up vaping that for um, all that night and most of the next day before I could make e-liquid. And 12 was over nicking me. So I dropped to 6 and I very gradually worked back up to my 12. And I am back up to my 12, my 12 milligram now. Thank you very much, because that's where I choose to be, um, you know, for all you people out there that dropped yours on purpose because you wanted to. I'm happy for you. I didn't want to. So I, I did. And isn't that pathetic? How many people do you hear say, well, I had to gradually raise my nicotine back up to the level? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 got I, I dropped down to 18 and then ended up back up at 30. Uh, I, now I I've dropped back to 20. So, yeah. <laughs> I went to because uh, it's what I want, um, not because it's what someone is forcing on me. I went to twelve once. That was bad. That was bad for everybody around me. I I was very quickly back at twenty four. I, I can't I can't drop below it. It doesn't matter how I vape. Everybody's like, oh, if you got a sub ohm tank, yeah, I, I I don't care. I've used those. I still put twenty. I have been at vape meets where I have, I have been happily vaping away, blowing nice clouds. And handed, people are like, oh, what's that? And I've handed people my mod. And they've discovered that they can't really handle 20 milligram at 80 watts. (laughs) (laughs) 80 watts, you're an animal. (laughs) Just saying. That's that's only when I'm taking the piss. Um, Most of the time, I'm only at 40 watts. (sighs) I don't know. I couldn't do it, but, um, you know, I, I... very rarely go above 20 watts and it's taken a long time to do that and it's it's almost like my throat it it's like my throat has taken a really long time to recover from all of the i can't prove this but i think tobacco smoke kind of i don't want to say cooks the tissue but i think the coating of tar does damage your throat um, what smoking does, the little cilia in your throat and lungs um, end up basically, as you say, stuck down or damaged. That's the little tiny hairs that, you know, make you cough. They're there to get solids back out. Uh, But when you smoke, they get suppressed. So, so yeah, you you end up, you could end up um, coughing more after Mm -hmm. you go to vaping. Because well, especially yeah. people who suffer from things like hay fever and stuff, they're going to notice mm-hmm. it more. <laughs> I certainly well, I mean, do. My hay fever yeah. got worse when I started vaping. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's there's actually... A- Clear airways does not help. 
<laughs> no, it doesn't. The more you junk them up, the the better you deal with crap like pollen and other allergens, which is really bizarre, but it's it's a fact of how things are sometimes. But yeah, it, it like took forever for my lungs and like my larynx and stuff to just get to the point where I could go to 13, 14 watts. Yeah. Um, and I'm just starting to be able to, to get to like 20 now. So. See, I, I, I smoked so heavily, including cigars, that yeah, my, my throat's probably never going to recover. So <laughs> I, I can get away with, as I say, vaping 20 milligram at 80 watts. After that, yeah. it gets a bit warm, even for me. It must be said. Um, <laughs> God, <laughs> ah, two very different species of people. Um, it is fun to do it of eight, mate. Especially the cloud chasers that are being annoying. <laughs> oh, here, try this and watch them cough a lot. Um, I don't, what the I've hell is say- that? Yeah. <laughs> You didn't like twenty milligrams at eighty watts. Yeah. Let's see. Well, because it's it, I only do that to the ones that insist that everybody should be on three and six milligram. Oh, if you just I, up the power. Oh, really? Have a go at this. Right. I can't. I I just I, and I don't mean to be sarcastic when I say it. I just can't. Yeah, I don't like it that hot. So yeah. Yeah. Hence why I normally vape it forty fifty. Yes. <laughs> So did Dave Dorn, you told me Dave Dorn dropped down a little, huh? Yeah, I think he might have gone back up a little bit. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> I, um, can I just say the person on Facebook the other day was screaming and hollering about Dave Dorn abandoning you guys. Oh, God. You need, you need to get... Like, fuck! He needs to fucking... He needs to sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up, and, and think before yeah, you post Yeah, I, I couldn't reply to that one. Yeah, I'd ended up getting banned from Facebook. When I saw that, I'm like, seriously, dude, are you that fucking stupid? Yeah, I couldn't believe the statement was being made. (laughs) I I messaged Jerry. I'm like, is this guy serious? He's like, yeah, that's part of the problem. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) You know, that would be, and people just don't, people just don't get it. I mean, he. I understand, and here's the thing, because I had this bitch the other day too. Very, you 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 saw my little mini rant in a private group. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> people don't get paid for doing these vape shows. No. David Dorn and Greg Conley don't get get paid for the things that they they do. I mean, well, Greg does now. A little yeah, bit. but not fully. Not, it's not really. Like a, not, it's not like not, a well-paying job. Really. Yeah. Not anywhere near. I mean, these these people have go out and advocate for our vape every day, and they spend god awful hours doing it. I watched. I walked by the fitness room at at the hotel last year at VaporCon, and there is Greg Conley in there working out with with his fucking phone in his hands, texting. Yeah. Firing yeah. off Probably. emails. Probably well, he, tweeting, writing letters. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, the, yeah, during, the one about I mean, the one about Dave Dorn. Uh, on a fucking elliptical, for God's sake, and yeah. and Dave Dorn. He spent God knows how many tens of thousands of dollars traveling all over the place. All over the place, fighting for people, and because this guy was pissed off that VTTV wasn't on, he starts throwing out shit like Dave Dorn abandoned people. 
I are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, he'd gone to New Zealand to work there because he was getting more money. You're like, he went what? voluntarily, you yeah. prick. <laughs> oh my god, Janet, this guy said some of the stupidest shit. So- I know he did, Jeannie, I saw it, and I was like, <laughs> I'm like... Am I going to have to smack a bitch? You I... can imagine the, the VTTV Skype chat. People were like, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of us couldn't reply I, to that I one because we'd have lost it. <laughs> just I don't absolutely you. floored that it, it, Sky wasn't... You know, and I would like to think that, that all of these people would remember that people don't get paid for these shows and that we work hard and, you know, we should, are entitled to and, and should be allowed to either A, be sick or B, spend time with our families or C, just have a fucking life. Um, but unfortunately, there are, there are assholes out there that, that just don't appreciate that and saying, oh, well, yay, you know, and I hope you have, hope you enjoy your time, but I'd be glad to see you come back. Really, just, just, uh, I was just floored by that. And I I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not in a lot of, you might have noticed, you guys are in, I think, a fair amount of vaping groups. I'm in almost none. I'm not actually in that many. I dropped quite a lot of them. Let me tell you, you're in a lot more than me. Probably. Uh, I, I've. I don't actively participate in most, though. I just watch and go, oh my God. I don't, Um, I don't, I don't fit. Right, I don't fit here. I don't fit actually with my goth friends who are all artists. I don't fit with people who are conservative. I don't fit with people who are libertarian. I don't fit with liberals. I don't really fit in anywhere. So kind of stand back and I get to watch stuff and take notes. And that's really interesting to me. Um, George Carlin said, um, if you wind up with an agenda and you advocate for it you wind up being a cheerleader and and it's kind of annoying but if you're in america you're in the front row of a real freak show and if you just sit back and watch it happen you can take notes and have a really good time and that's kind of what i do oh um do you mind if i read out what this guy said oh go for it Uh, hang on i just need to find it (laughs) and this guy was un fucking hinged yeah and i don't know what he was on but yeah (laughs) it 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 was bad but anyway um not that dave dorn listens to us or anything (laughs) Ah, here we go um david dorn you are much appreciated even even by people in the u.s that you're not necessarily advocating for the the what you do you are the rock star vaping in the uk as far as i'm concerned and thank you sir for what you do well right i'm gonna read the post yeah so, lots of the people in the audience will know Dave Dorn, Hi-Fi Stud. Um, but this is what the guy said. I'm guessing that VTTV is dead, as I've heard nothing about the shows that were meant to be on after a short break. Dee Dee is living in New Zealand, I presume. Nice of him to abandon us in the final hours of our fight against the TPD. So much for his man-up-and-fight theory. More like abandon the sinking ship for another that can keep paying him. Can't blame you, DD, if you earn your living from fighting anti-vaping legislation, as if you had stayed here, you wouldn't have you you would have been out of a job very soon. And yeah, lots of audience 
people went nuts at that family enough. Oh, it was <laughs> just insane. <laughs> well, I I can't. I a I can't fathom that, and b even if he did get paid, it's not like the man hasn't sunk hundreds of thousands of pounds well, of his own money into the fight for. Well, really I can give you an time. example. Um, he, you're aware of? Are you aware of Periscope? It's an app on smartphones, yeah. lets you live yeah. broadcast. Mm-hmm. At his own expense, he was doing that when he was in New Zealand to let people know what was going on. When he was in New Zealand, abandoning pounds a meg, he was being charged for those videos. You know, people don't. This show costs like nothing to do. It costs various time, and if I were paying him. I don't even want to imagine what it would cost because he's the most competent producer I think VP Live has. Jan, yes, I, I got to interrupt you. I have to go pick up my granddaughter. Paul's not here okay. yet. Go, go, go. All right. Have fun, Love, good Jeannie. Night. We'll see you next week. Um, but if I had to pay very, I couldn't afford to do this show. So it costs us literally nothing but our time to do it. In a weird twist of fate, if you paid me, I probably couldn't afford to do the show. Because then I'd have earnings and they'd take away all my sickness benefits. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I couldn't afford to do this if I had to pay for production level that's this high. You know, and thank you. No problem. Thank you, and I'm, I'm sure the people that listen every week that aren't trying to throw themselves out a window after they <laughs> listen to, to the show, I'm sure they thank you, too. Well, um, they got a nice little 40 minutes or so of vaping there, at least. Yeah. On top I'm, I'm, of the Kassar update, so yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that shocked people. <laughs> I did... <laughs> I did actually promise I was going to talk about what the government can get from national security letters on you. Well, you better go for it. Okay. Um, the Patriot Act vastly expanded the reach of the NSL program, which allows the FBI to compel disclosure of information from online companies and forbid recipients from disclosing they have received a national security letter. Okay. Um, Merrill is now able to reveal that the FBI believes it can force online companies to turn over the following information simply by sending a national security letter demanding it. An individual's complete web browsing history, the IP addresses of everyone a person is corresponded with, and records of all online purchases. The FBI also claims authority to obtain cell site location information with a national security letter, which effectively turns a cell phone into a location tracking device. In court filings, the FBI said at some point it stopped gathering location data as a matter of policy, but it could secretly choose to resume the practice under existing authority. So, there you go. That's what they can get. Pretty much whatever they want. Well, yeah. I mean, we we that was kind of obvious anyway. Um, oh, I know. Because uh, the internet service providers, I mean... They can fight, but if the FBI or NSA really want something, they have lots of law backing them, and the ISP just can't block them. You know? Right. 
yes, Michael Morris, it is a vaping show. You get the Kasa update here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, I think all of the stuff that we talk about, that the three of us talk about every week, I think it's all kind of related. Yeah. I think all of this stuff is about the control that governments want to exert over our lives. Hence it the name Anti Nanny. Yeah. But all this stuff is kind of related. The spying, the medicalization, the demonization, the turning people against each other, all this stuff is kind of in an odd way related to that. So it might not be directly about vaping, but vaping is also included as part of that whole conglomeration of screwed up this. <laughs> fucked up in this that only the government can participate in yeah i guess <laughs> well i mean it's like we keep saying at the minute they're concentrating on vaping uh once they're finished with vaping they'll move on to attacking something else i don't what are you thinking i mean i'm thinking it's going to be children's cereals the way they're on about like advertising to children yeah, yeah. i don't know I, I, I mean, it's so hard to tell. From the Sugar WHO, sitting. I'd suspect bacon, but, you know. Well, yeah, but they got their asses handed to them for that by more than one, you know, butcher's association, meat association. You know. I'm sure red meat is bad for you, but I've got to tell you, uh, try existing on just a diet of salad. You're not going to get real far. Especially if you live in far northern hemispheres. You need meat. Yeah. It you protects do. you from the cold <laughs> yeah um so i did want to ask you what did you think about what finland's gonna do it's a bit strange <laughs> really so am, am i the only person that that knows about the whole theory behind this stuff probably <laughs> um, I, I don't pay that much attention to money stuff it doesn't interest me but it, it's it's probably a brilliant idea it just sounds strange when you're so well, used to normal systems, as it were. Well, basic income really isn't that strange an idea. I mean, no. it, the, the person who came up with it is a right bastard if you look at the history of other things they've done in other countries, specifically Latin America. Mm -hmm. um, and. Because <laughs> that's gone so well, yeah. Uh, yeah, well. Naomi Klein wrote a really interesting book about Murray Rothbard and some of his Chicago boys. And not all of it is about him, but some of the policies he supported in support of a free market are pretty fucked up. Oh, and incidentally, uh, and it's you the doctrine. The yes. Finland thing is quite similar to an experiment that our lovely government's doing in the UK called Universal yeah. Credit. I'm sure you've right. noticed that. Mm -hmm. It's a similar sort of idea, but oh, yes. even more crazily uh, implemented. Implemented? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, doesn't work because um, of the way they've done it. But yeah, the Finland one is interesting. Well, I mean, I've talked about the rise in automation before, and that I think there's certain industries where that's going to be a real problem. And the technology exists right now where I work to get rid of three quarters of the workforce. If they ever wanted to shell out the money, we would all be toast. 
And that that's something I just look at every day and go, okay, I've still got a job as terrible as it is. Now I've got 12 more jobs on top of my job. Okay, well, I can keep working or whatever until they break me. Until they break you and bring in RoboJohn. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, yeah, but that would be minus the sarcasm because that's, that's just robots no, just no, good no, at they, that. You can, you can program robots with sarcasm. Oh, I don't know how successful that would be. I mean, look at Interstellar. I don't think that robot was funny at all. Yeah, bad programmers. <laughs> um, but knowing that that happens, that that exists, what's going to happen? And we've talked about this before. You you think the distribution of wealth is something like sixty forty? Like 60% goes to the top 1% and there's like 40 for the rest of us. It's not. It's like 95 goes to the top richest people in the world. And then there's 5% for the rest of us down here to fight and snarl and scrap over. Yeah. It's a problem. And keeping fighting is part of why it works. Mm-hmm. And part of... Part of the problem is, and it's probably not a problem for these people, because when you look at at the, well, let's just say, when you look at the caricature of Mr. Burns on The Simpsons, that's a caricature of an actual banker from a well-known banking family. Yes. But I'm really not going to disparage, because I really don't want to get sued, but... Um, he and his family are not known for their love of human life and have never been. They back both sides. Would these be the ones that people suggest might be wanting to move in after we've bombed Syria flat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, And there's a really good documentary called All Wars Are Bankers' Wars. If you want more information on that, you can go to YouTube and just type that in. It's very, very interesting and very informative for people. Uh, there's also the written text of that, but I recommend the documentary. It uh, it really does sink into your brain. Um, it makes a home there, and it 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 uh, the information it conveys is is dead on. But with people like that in charge, knowing that there's only like five percent there, in that most of these jobs are going to be automated. There's not going to be anyone with money to pay for the goods that all the automated things are going to be pushing out. So basic income is kind of an interesting idea. It's actually a libertarian idea. They want to smash the welfare state. And they thought the best way of doing it was you take and you give individuals money themselves. Every month, here's six or seven or eight hundred dollars so your basic needs are met. You can pay for your rent. You can, you know, save your money and buy a car, move in with other people, pull your money, start a small business, whatever. Not that you're going to do that with that much money a month. But you know what I mean? They were thinking about people not starving in the streets. It, yeah. I mean, it's an extension of uh, Lenin's ideas. Well, I'm it talking about is. the original Lenin ideas, not the ones that not the corrupted ones. ended up coming into being. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing that they say about that is the only thing the government, or your government, my government, any government on the planet is good at is writing a check. So you get them to write a check, but then you cut all the social welfare agencies completely out of business. Yeah. 
there is no food stamps, there is no health care, there is no nothing. There's just this money. And in a way, the premise behind it is really interesting because what they say is all these government agencies do nothing but decide what sort of care you will get, what sort of benefits you will get, what sort of food you will eat, leaving no decisions for you. And, and also, in, in the act of doing this, they consume, of course, about half the money that's yeah. supposed to be going towards what they're doing. Exactly. So the idea is by giving people money directly, you get rid of all those jobs, you get rid of all of that part of the welfare state, which is actually pretty interesting as far as ideas go. I don't know if it'll work, but I think it's interesting that Finland is choosing to implement it. I know they've done something similar in Somalia. Yeah. Where it was, they were having a really bad time and the government said, well, we'll just hand all these people money and they'll do what they need to do with it. Well, if there's a country that can get it to work, it probably is Finland. Because they've had some interesting policies over the years. Uh, and they've always gone their own way. Um, well, you they, know, they, even, they are one of the few countries that has successfully fought and won against the Russians. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying I just think it's interesting and I think the idea is going to pop up a lot more than you'd think. Yeah. it's We're getting to a point where when unemployment is like it is in Finland, 22.7%, yeah. you let people starve in the street. You know, what do you do? Well, I mean, the last um, interesting Finnish policy was, I think it was about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they had the worst obesity problem on the planet by a long way at the time. Um, you know, very porky children wandering about. So, to solve <laughs> this problem... um. School meals and exercise. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing, when a kid turned up at school in the morning, he was there until he went home. He had his breakfast there, his lunch there, you know. Mm -hmm. And during break, basically, you had to be out in the playground running around. I gotta tell you, I think that was healthier. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I'm not it's, talking it's, about it's, feeding people, but I'm saying I think... As a society, children were a lot healthier when they had that run around and playtime. Yeah. They weren't trying but, to cram so much knowledge in their yeah, damn skulls. Finland succeeded in greatly reducing the obesity problem and, you know, lowered the number of heart attacks that were happening and all sorts of things <laughs> just by doing that simple thing. And, yeah, lots of countries find that incredibly draconian, but it worked. They were making the children eat properly. And they're making them exercise. Problem solved. Well, yeah, problem solved. I, I'm just saying, I think even having the They options. weren't talking about taxing sugar. They didn't go around and go, oh, we need to tax sugar. Well, fat's <laughs> really bad. We need to stop fat being in food. Like I said, northern countries, you need quite fatty food because it's cold. Mm -hmm. And Finland's a bit the most northern country in anywhere on the planet. Finland, Norway, <laughs> all those... Sweden. Well, Finland's right at the top of Norway and Sweden. It's yeah. one of the coldest places on the planet. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need a certain amount of fat and meat in your diet, or you're going to die. There are very few vegetarians over there. Um, yeah, well, 
You would have a hard time surviving. You just can't get enough energy. <laughs> no. No, you can't. Um, but yeah, due, due to modern living, nobody <laughs> was the kids weren't going out and exercising. Ooh, yeah. It's nice to stay indoors and stuff like that's, that. So well, yeah, lovely. they forced them to go and exercise, basically. Well, it's lovely to stay indoors. There's actually a theory that one of the reasons that people are so obese, and I think this is really interesting too, is that we've built homes now that are so resistant to temperature, at least here in America, that people aren't like shivering. They're not bundling up and shivering, and people actually used to burn a lot, a lot of calories when they were colder. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting theory. I, I've only seen it discussed a few places, and it's something I think, actually, if you want to talk about, if you really think obesity is as big a problem as some of the health nuts say it is, then that's something you should definitely talk about as well. Yeah. You know? Well, and I not, mean, not I, in the terms... I, I said it in a post somewhere today, I think it was on Twitter, mm-hmm. all these crazies who are on about fat, sugar, all that stuff, and I was like, they need to stop going on about all that kind of shit and bring it back to the basic truth that scientists know. <laughs> if you want somebody to reduce weight, get them to eat less, run around more. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. You don't need fancy diets, anything like that. They just need to eat what they're eating before, but less of it, and get them to move around a bit more. And they will lose weight. Yep. It's and called biology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you mean a tax won't automatically make me thin or make me quit smoking? <laughs> Apparently not. I That's believe funny. they've experimented with that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and yet some people never learn. Oh well. Probably because their livings are dependent on them. But I guess that's it for this evening. Uh, do you want to cue the Muppets? Yes, here we Thank go. You. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Hey guys, we'll see you next week. <laughs>